This is the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the, uh, and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken away, taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have take, laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head. It was not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then the, the disciples went back to their homes. <clears throat> but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look down into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. He said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad. They saw the Lord. Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. So if you would, let's bow one more time in prayer to settle my hearts, my heart and our hearts. So let's pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning again. I'm especially excited that the kiddos are with us on this Easter morning. That's a high value for us. And so, kids, this sermon is for you, and I, I want you to be able to quiz your parents about what I talked about later today. Deal? So just make sure, if you see them nodding off, just nudge them ever so gently and lovingly, okay? So thank you guys. Um, no, it is a blessing to have our whole family. It feels like a family reunion for me and for us on Christmas Eve and Easter morning, where we have all the kids stay with us in the service. Now, our typical rhythm, for those who are new with us, is we typically dismiss the kids after the first two songs. But today, they're obviously staying in the service. So today, we're obviously looking at this Easter account. And the title of my message is Our Easter Story. And I want to begin with a question. And this is specifically directed to some of the silly adults, but also the kids. Guys, how good are you at hiding? On a scale of 1 to 10, how good are you at hiding? Blaze just whispered to me, 9. And he actually shared that, you're a 10. Xander, we have, any more 10s in the room? Uh, we have some 10s, we have some more 10s. Trip, are you a 10? Um, you're a 10. Okay, great. We have a lot of 10s. Oh, wow. Both hands held high. I love it. Um, I love the participatory element or aspect of worship here. So, how good are you at hiding? You know, some of us, we hide for fun. In my family, we have a little tradition, if you will, that whenever there's a babysitter, the kids kind of prep the babysitter by finding new places to hide. And our own Ashley Lewis, the first time she came to babysit for us, um, Blaze and Sailor disappeared immediately. And she would later tell us she could not find our kids for, forever. And she starts screaming, okay, it's, it's, you got me, you can come out now. And Blaze especially is a little odd because he'll like get in a suitcase in the, in the, uh, in the, uh, you know, the uppermost room and zip himself up and just sit there. How are you going to find that? He said to me, he said, yeah, I heard her coming. And she said, give me a clue. He's like, I didn't give her a clue. <laughs> He's really good. He'll be in the attic, right? So how good are you at hiding? Some of us hide for fun. Ashley would later tell us that she almost called us to say, great, I, I lost the pastor's kids. <laughs> you know, some of us hide for shelter, don't we? Last week, it was raining on Sunday morning, and between the services, Dr. Anderson comes up to me, and he says, I, I got to tell you this kind of odd story. I was parking my car, and underneath the car in front of me, I saw this moving object under the car in the torrential rain. And I said, oh, really? And he goes, yeah, I expected to see a rabid raccoon charge out from under this car. Instead, I saw your son roll out, Blaze. And again, I would later ask Blaze, I'd say, Blaze, why were you under the car? And he's like, well, it was raining and the, and the car was locked. So instead of running back into the building, Blaze just intuitively thought, I'll just get under the vehicle. You know, some of us hide in fear. 
don't we? The passage, that long passage, thanks for listening, that long passage this morning, it ends with Jesus meeting the disciples in a room in which they've locked themselves up. It's as if they had locked their hearts and locked themselves up from the world. Why? Because they were scared. Now, here's the bigger truth. The Bible says we all hide. In Isaiah chapter 59, it it reads that our sins and iniquities separate us from God. For some of uh, the nerds in the room, think back to Genesis 2 or 3, the earliest pages of the Bible, their creation account. When Adam and Eve sinned, what's the first thing they did when they heard God walking in the cool of the garden? They hid themselves. For whatever reason, our natural tendency is to hide from God and one another. And that, in some sense, is what's happening here in our passage this morning. But I have good news, and I have kind of, I think, a summary of what this passage in this morning is all about. And it is this. Friends, in the midst of our hiding... And I'm going to do some signs because Molly, our director of Diff Kids, said it always helps to do some signs for the adults. In the midst of our hiding, kids, I want you to follow along. Jesus sees us. Point to your eyes. He saves us. Point to our hands. And he sends us in his love. One more time. In the midst of our hiding, Jesus sees us, he saves us, and he sends us in his love. We're going to unpack these three points very quickly, so let's go for it. Point number one, Jesus sees us in his love. We read, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, and while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb, So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So here's the scene. On Friday, they had crucified Jesus. They had nailed him to the cross. He was their teacher. He was their friend. He was their Lord. And he hung there, and they were confused, and they were scared. But nonetheless, this one woman, the very beginning of the church, in this one woman, this one-member church, Mary Magdalene, shows up at the tomb to care for Jesus' body. And she finds the worst thing imaginable, an empty tomb. In January, one of my mentors died. He lived in Pauly's Island. He was a global church leader. And imagine this. Imagine if I had gone to that funeral, and as I went to participate in the funeral, the host said to me, Paul, I'm so sorry, but someone has stolen Chuck's body. Can you imagine what I would feel or what the people there would be feeling? 
That's what Mary was feeling as she came to the tomb on this dark, dreadful Easter morning. Not only had Jesus died, she then believed he had been stolen. Someone had taken him. And just imagine her confusion, her sadness, and her anger that morning. The scriptures go on. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. This is after she'd run and gotten Peter and John. They'd come and then they'd left. She stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they've laid him. And having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him uh, to be the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbanai, which means teacher. Now, a little grace for Mary. When my wife cries, I don't know about the other people in the room, but when my wife cries, like really weeps, believe it or not, she does occasionally, she gets blotchy and her eyes swell up. So, look, we don't know why why uh, Mary doesn't recognize Jesus. I'm guessing she might have been like Carly. She was grieving so hard that her eyes were almost swollen shut. And it was obviously morning. It was dark. Nonetheless, she recognizes Jesus when he calls her name. And in that moment, the darkest moment in history and the darkest morning became the brightest day which is Easter morning. Now here's the thing I need you to see. Number one, Jesus sees Mary before she sees him. And then number two, she calls upon Mary before she calls upon him. So friends, kiddos, look, point at your eyes. Point number one, Jesus sees us even in our darkest moments. Point number two, Jesus saves us. Point to your hands. The story goes on. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked. See, the disciples are scared to death. The doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. And Jesus came and stood amongst them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them, what? His hands in his side, where he had been crucified, his very wounds. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. In fact, they were ecstatic. So I don't know about you guys, but where do you go when you've done something wrong or you're scared? Especially kids. Do you have a place that you retreat to or hide to? JM? Others? When I was a kid, I grew up in Central Florida, and I have one friend here that grew up with me, Mason Cruz, and I had this little shed in the backyard of our house. 
And if I would get in trouble or if I was scared, I would run away to the shed and I would climb the branches of this oak tree that would shield me from the view of the house and I'd sit on top of the shed and, and I, would, I would cry. Sometimes I would pray, but it would be very dark and very lonely. And that's the picture we have here of the disciples. Every single one of them had left Jesus' side during the crucifixion. Every one of them, even though some said, we'll never leave your side. They all had left him. And you can only imagine that they were suffering with guilt and fear and shame. And so as I read this passage, I read these guys, they're not just locked up for fear of the Jews, they're locked up to fear of themselves. These were heavy-laden men. And yet, I want to say something. As Jesus approaches, what's the thing he says to them? Peace be with you. As Jesus comes to the disciples and he comes to us on this Easter morning, no matter what we've done, he doesn't offer us punishment. He offers us peace. As we read this passage, we're invited to imagine his wounds in his hands and in his side where he had been pierced. And as we consider those wounds, like the, the, the followers of Jesus looked at the wounds, we not only see those wounds, we see his love. And why does this matter? Jesus didn't come just to take away the sins of the world. He came to take on the sins of the world. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you were healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardians of your souls. Banks, no matter what you've done or who you think you are, Jesus loves you, he saves you, and he saves you. That's point number two. Point number three, Jesus sends us in his love. Let's do this, kiddos, especially. Help me out. Come on, Andrew, I need some love. He sends us in his love. He not only sees us, he saves us, but then something crazy happens. He sends us. Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so, I'm now sending you. You see, the bottom line is Jesus doesn't just call him to, us to himself. He calls us to the world. He calls you to mission, Sarah Lynn. Mission to your next door neighbors. Mission to your street. Mission to this island. Mission to Charleston. Mission to the U.S. Mission to the globe around us. He doesn't just call us to himself. He calls us to the world. Now, to me... This is too much empowerment, right? I mean, these guys, just a second ago, are locked up in their guilt, in their fear, in their shame. But Jesus says, I've come to heal you and to set you free and now be like me to the world around you, to the world in need. It's crazy empowerment. Now here's the question. Do you guys think especially kids, do you think you're made for more? Do you think somehow you feel confined, restrained? Or do you think you're part, called to be part of a bigger story? 
Well, if you even have an inkling of that, you're right. Jesus doesn't just call us to new relationship. He calls us to redemptive living in a world in need. And he wants everything you and I do and everything this church does to echo in the halls of eternity. So in closing, here we go. Jesus, in the midst of our hiding, he sees us, point to our eyes. He saves us. And he sends us in his love. Do you believe this? Kids, do you believe this? Students, do you believe this? Do you believe right now, no matter what you're facing in life, he sees you? I got a thumbs up. I love it. I got a little charismatic in the corner. I love it. I got another thumbs up. (laughs) I didn't call for it, but I love it. Do you believe he sees you, whatever darkness you're facing today? Be it in your relationships, in your marriage, in your vocation. Do you believe he can save you? That he came not just to take away your sins, but to take them on so that you would be healed and set free? And do you believe he can use you and send you, even today, wherever you go to lunch, maybe you go home, Maybe you go to a home. Maybe you go to an apartment complex. That is the point of this entire book of John, and that is the point of the Easter story. John ends his book with these words. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written, why? So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by by believing you may have life in His name. So my charge, my invitation is this. This Easter morning, no matter who you are or what you're facing, believe. 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 Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we... Rejoice that you sent your Son out of love to live for us, to die for us, and to rise for us. For those in this room that want and need Jesus to see them, I just invite you to say in silence, yes. Jesus, see me. In my confusion and sadness or whatever I'm facing, And for those who need Jesus to save them from who they've become and what they've done, I invite you to silently say, yes, Jesus, save me. And for those who are called, who feel that this is true, that that they believe that they're called not only to be seen and saved, but sent, and you are called to a greater purpose, and you want to say yes to that, Silently, I invite you to say yes. No matter your age, Jesus sees you, he saves you, and he sends you in his love. We pray all this in his name. Amen.